Welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler teaches the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical Christian principles that empower all people with real-life timeless applications for daily kingdom living. Now here's your host, Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler, sharing kingdom truths for kingdom living. We are so glad that you all could join us today. We have a very special guest, an awesome woman of God. Her name is Vonda Logan. This is part two of an interview. And if you haven't heard part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It will bless your soul. Here's a recap of part one. Vonda shared with us that she was raised in the streets in New Jersey. She was a teenage mother. Her mom was on the road driving an 18-wheeler. Her brothers were drug dealers, and she also entered into the drug scene as a drug dealer. She became a crack addict. Her addictions led to her serving time in jail and in prison. While serving time in TDC, she met a Hispanic lady who encouraged her to seek the Lord. Vonda obtained her GED, took parenting classes, and also drug and alcohol classes. Vonda is here to share how the Lord continually delivered her and moved in her life. So Vonda, thank you so much for joining us today. And you're such a blessing to the body of Christ. So go ahead and share your testimony. Blessings. And I listened to you and that downward spiral turned into, like you said, the drugs and the prison and doing things that that's not of God. And I was released from prison in 96, August of 96, where I went on to meet my husband, October of 96. We started going to church together. He was ordained as a deacon. I was ordained as a deaconess, you know, and we were doing church. And I had my first daughter, Ranisha, in 99. And I was still off of the drugs. I was going to church. By this time, I was going to cosmetology school, do a, you know, trying to get myself together. And I worked at Kmart and I got locked up for stealing. And so I didn't have a lawyer. I didn't have nobody, but I was still going to church and I was pregnant with my son by then. So we went from the third child. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't drinking by this time. I had been delivered. I thought I was delivered. I was stealing. Yeah. Went to jail. By this time, I was going to court and I stepped in this elevator and I had $250 in my hand, in my pocket. And this man was on his elevator and I was talking to him, not knowing that he was a lawyer. And I was telling him, I was like, I'm pregnant and I'm going to court for theft and I can't afford to have my baby in the county jail because I have, good, you know, I'm just explaining to him, I have insurance and I'm living this kind of life. And so he took that 250 when they were trying to give me five years, TDC for the theft, the Holy Ghost stepped in and used this young man, and I only got three months county time. Wow. So I spent three months in Harris County, and I got out, and upon getting out, maybe a month later, I gave birth to my third child. So he wasn't born in the county hospital. He was born in a real hospital. I just thank God because I could have been having my child in prison. God seemed fit where he placed this man on the elevator. And I think that was God letting me know that he was there, even though I was alone and I was by myself. 
Yeah, I was married with two other kids, but I still felt alone standing in the elevator because it was like nobody was there to support me. But God, I did the three months. I came home. I had him. Upon meeting this young lady in jail, she came over to the house after she got out. And old girl came with some drugs. And I hit it. I hit that crack again. But I thank God I was delivered. Because when I hit it, I didn't feel anything. I told her, I said, you got to get your stuff and you got to go. I said, I don't want this anymore. Wow. Now, Vonda, let me ask you a question. So how did you feel when you knew the Lord had taken that desire or that taste from you because it was only the Lord, right? It was. And I knew it was the Lord because when I hit it, I didn't get that same feeling, that same outlook, you know, that same, oh, I need another one. I need another one. When I hit it, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't want this stuff no more. I just started praising God that he did take that taste away from me. And I knew it wasn't nobody but him because they kept telling me, you're going to have to go to rehab. You're going to have to do meetings. You're going to have to do this. And I didn't do all of that. I didn't, I went to a couple of meetings because they say you go to rehab, you can stay out of jail. That's the only reason I went to a rehab, but that didn't kick me out of jail. So I knew that I was delivered this time. Because the last time I got out of jail and I hit it, I went straight back to the streets. And this time I went straight to the church house. I was delivered. I knew that part of my life was gone. And I thank God for it. And so I still commenced to go into church, doing what I was supposed to do, being married, being a mother, being a wife, doing on the deaconess board, serving, serving. But I was serving and I was smoking weed. So. You know, it wasn't crack. So I thought, it was not crack. I'm not addicted. I'm not running the streets. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. But I was still doing. I was still smoking, smoking weed and cigarettes, Newports and weed. That was in 2000 because my son was born in 2000. And then in 2002, I wound up having another child after I had um, a partial hysterectomy and everything. I just, I took my health to everything that I had been going through, to the streets, because I was on the streets, you know, and people held the window while you're on the streets doing these drugs and doing these alcohols. And some people don't make it back and some people make it back, and, you know, and I just happened to be one of those blessed ones who, who made it. Wow. Who, 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 and I can say I'm actually delivered from crack this day. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me ask you this. You said there was a trial. It wasn't really a trial. It was like in front of a judge. You know, the judge in the DA basically had me deemed as unfit, low income, because I was low income. And they were trying to really send me back to prison. Jesus. And um, but and I can keep saying, but God, with this young man on this elevator, it was nobody but God placed him there. And who you think gonna go in front of a with a felony with a criminal charge with for two hundred and fifty dollars? Wow, nobody, nobody, and nobody but, but Jesus. But Jesus, exactly. And so I did the three months. I came home. Now I did the three months. I ain't been back yet. Now that's twenty three years ago. Hallelujah. But in that, process there still was a lot of trial you know raising kids living in with the husband being a verbally abusive mentally abusive and you always say ain't no abuse going on in my household but then when you sit back and think about it if if he cursing you out if he talking to you sideways you know that's abuse yes and not having love the real love that I was looking for 
growing up, I took that as love. I took that, that that's all I knew because I seen my mother go through it. I seen my aunts them go through it. You know, I seen my uncles do it today, women's. And at first you think that, oh, well, this is part of life until you, until God, you actually have that real encounter with the Lord. Amen. And you know, this is not for real. And so um, having my daughter in 2002, it woke me up a little bit more to where we have to continue to be Christ-like. We have to live Christ-like. We have to just not go to church and hear it. We have to be doers of God's word. So then I started changing my attitude from the hurt, the anger, the pain that everybody has caused me. And then I started being nice you know, caring because I used to be hard. They'd be like, don't mess with Vonda. My name was Vonda Ron. <laughs> don't mess with her. She mean, she this, she going to do this. She... But who knows really deep down inside, that's not a person. That's what a person been through. Amen. And when you have that real encounter with God, he brings the real you out. And that's what he did. He brought the real me out, the cry baby, the worshiper, the praiser. The compassionate person, you know, not the person who walk down the street and get mad and angry because somebody looked at you sideways. So, yeah, I'm grateful. Amen. So basically, Vonda, you started focusing on yourself and seeking the Lord so that you could become a better person, sound like it. And the Lord just took out that stony heart and gave you a heart of flesh, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the process. You know, and I like that what you said that you started being kind, even though some people were not kind to you, you know, you started treating people the way you wanted to be treated. Yep. And it's, and it's exactly what I did. And they still was, well, some people just felt like I just wanted to run them, run a big toe over at time. But I couldn't. I still had, had to be, and it's mostly your family who is the hardest to love on. It's the mm -hmm. hardest to forgive. Amen. It's the hardest to, you know, to even have that compassion for it because it's like you should know better you know you know but then we have to sit back who do the devil use first the ones closer to you your loved ones your family so i had to be a little bit more compassion even though my husband wasn't towards him amen in order for me to change for vonda and so it was all about me it wasn't about him anymore now tell me this how was your relationship with all of your siblings. Tell me about your sisters and brothers. And then oh, how wow. did that come together after they saw that you turned your life over to the Lord and you weren't going back to that old lifestyle? You know what? My brothers and sisters with me when I was on drugs did not treat me bad. And I think they, they had more compassion for me than I have for myself. Being off of it now, I don't see no different. They still love Vonda when I didn't think nobody loved me. And they they have a different respect for me now that I serve God because we wasn't raised up in a Christian home. And so when I, they, they actually listened when I was like, I'm praying for y'all. Before I could see when I started going to church, they'd be like, oh, he go holier than thou. They go Adame. And Adame is my aunt, the oldest aunt I was telling y'all about earlier, who I know was praying for me. So they call me little Adame. But now they sit back and my older sister, which the one I thought was going to be the hardest, she actually used to come to church with me Amen. and serve at the church, even though she wasn't saved, but she was, she would do what she seen me do. And that's why we have to, when we step out this door, we have to continue to be Christ-like, wear it on us because people are looking at us daily. Even with my past being destructive and out of control, 
people is looking at this Vonda. Amen. The new Vonda. Amen. Yes. And I thank God for it. Amen. And a lot of times, Vonda, it's not what we say, but like you said, people are watching us. We're like walking epistles. They don't have to read a Bible. They can look at us and see if Christ is really living himself in our lives. They can see that. Yes. And I believe my sisters and brothers them actually see that Vonda is not Von Lee or Rhonda. It's my sister is back Vonda. And so, well, but they call me Vonda Ray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So it is amazing. It was amazing to be here seeing the real world and not the world through the drugs and the alcohol. Amen. Oh, I guess as time went on, you know, they're depending on me to help them raise their children. Wow. And my nieces, because my sisters was on drugs then, you know, and so it was like, I'm off. And then I had to take on the responsibility of, seeing that as many as nieces and nephews that I have won't go to the system. Amen. Yeah. So it's a blessing to be here at this point in my life. Amen. Now, are you helping raise some of your sisters or brother's children? I have one left in the house and it's actually my great nephew. I raised his mother. He is now 15. I got him, brought him straight from the hospital from day one. Wow. And he's 15. He'll be 16 in March. I've raised uh, two nieces and him. And mm -hmm. so altogether with seven people in my household that God blessed me with their lives to be able to raise them. And I raised all of them in church, all of them with church. Now, if they go to church now, I can't, you know what I mean? Right. But I did with us says the Lord. I kept them in the church house. I kept them busy. They sang, they praised, dance, they serve when as growing up. I just know that they're going to go back to where they supposed to be in the Lord. Amen. Now, let me ask you this question, Vonda. So in the last interview, you were saying how you had to connect with God-fearing people and that when you were going to church, you weren't feeling anything. So talk about how it was so important, how you got connected to a church that you knew was right for you. And then like what you were told about church people beforehand. Lord Jesus. Okay. Beforehand church CME you know she was gonna wake us up on Christmas Mother Day and Easter that's when we touched the church house growing up and it was always them preachers don't want nothing but your money look at them riding around in them pretty Cadillacs look at their house you better not give your money to the church all them hypocrites you know the pastor sleeping with sister so and so and deaconess so I was like is that what church is really going on Jesus and so I went to a few churches. I see a little shaky stuff. But who was I to judge? Because you ain't never been raised up in no real church. So you don't know what you're looking at. Amen. You just looking. And so I, when I met my husband, we went to this one church, Point Christian Outreach Ministry. And I had went to other churches before then. But it was like this one church. Ranisha was a baby. They was a kid. Their kids was a baby. And when I went in there, I got baptized. Amen. And I was like, oh, what is this? You know, I don't swim. I don't mean putting me in the know what I'm fighting. I fought myself right outside that church. Back was still drinking and smoking cigarettes. But I started listening just a little bit closer then, though. Man. And it was like, God loves you. And then they were actually showing true love that I thought that I knew. The love that I knew was true love to me until they hurt my feelings one day. And, you know, we, we get hurt easily, especially being babies in Christ. 
I was sitting there and looking like, how you gonna talk to me like that? I ain't got to put up with this. Next church. Then I found myself church hopping, but I was running from something. I don't even know what I was running from. I was scared to completely submit myself. I still wanted to smoke my cigarettes. By this time I had stopped drinking. I wasn't really drinking because I had a hangover one day and I was like, I don't want that stuff no more, but I'm still smoking cigarettes. And then my friends say, I'm having a party. I would go to their house. I would go to the clubs and stuff. And this was, this took me up to from 2001 to 2003 to finally get get it right and know that this wasn't it, you know? So, so you had to surrender. Started, yeah, I had to surrender. Just... Yes. And it was like, you're longing for something and you not know what you're longing for and you're looking for something and you're looking for the love and you're looking for the acceptance and you look and all the while it was right there it's just I was running from it it's part of that fear that you would get hurt all over again oh yeah that's what it is because it was like you stepped in this church they say something you ain't like and it was like you started getting hurt over and over again now it's not your family hurt it's church hurt people hurting you in the church people abusing you in the church using you in the church I was like what do they do this say I, I don't understand this so i stopped going to church for a while but i still you know they ordained us as deacon and deacon is still to this point we were still you know he was doing him and i was doing me and we wasn't doing god my god say that again we was not doing god we was doing the church we was doing the singing we was doing the dancing we was doing the greeting we was doing the ushering we was doing the praying my god. but at the end we wasn't doing god we wasn't doing him we wasn't letting him do it and that's why I just realized I just kept falling. We ain't falling back to the crack now. We falling back into the alcohol and the weed. So then all my kids and they growing up and here it is. We renewed our 15 year wedding anniversary and he cheated on me. Wow. More hurt. Oh, And then from somebody who you say, if you want to do it, leave it in the streets. Don't bring it to the house. Because when you bring it to the house, that makes it even worse. So then that put more anger and hurt on me. So then by this time, I'm trying to hurt him every which way I could think. I'm not cheating. I'm not going to submit myself to my husband. I'm not cooking for him. I'm not clean. I ain't doing nothing. I'm just going to do Vonda. Living as if you were single. Exactly. Because I felt he was living as he was single. So I'm going to live as I'm single. I'm just going to do Vonda. But God. But exactly. But God. He said... He can do what he want to do, but you are going to. I said, I wish I was. So by this time, I said, I'm leaving him. And so I left, packed up and I left. And my mom was staying with me at this time. In 2012, my mom had a heart attack in her truck in Dallas. She was driving an 18-wheeler. And I flew, I quit my job. I flew to Dallas and brought my mama back home and she moved in with us in 2012. I took care of her until she got back on her feet for about, about, about a year. In 2014, I moved out because she stayed two years. I moved to Brenham. I left him and moved to Brenham. I got tired. I think when I got tired is when he raised his voice at my mother. And I told him, if you ever in your life raise your voice at my mother again, you will not be raising your voice at nobody else. My God. And the Holy Ghost said, now it's time for you to go because it's getting dangerous. I packed up 
and my mom packed up and it was a Holy Ghost who got us an apartment down the street from each other. So she moved in her apartment and I moved in mine. And then one day she got sick. We didn't know what was going on. And I'm saying it was June 2019. So yeah, four years later, we found out she had June 22nd metastatic brain cancer from the lungs and it was nothing they can do for her. Wow. And I, <laughs> and I used to always say, Holy Ghost, let me go before my mom. And I used to ask God to let me go before her because I would actually literally go back out there if she wasn't here. And that's what I used to say, that I was going to go back to drugs and yeah. that I did not ever want her to suffer. Wow. Now tell me this though. So how did you come back together in your marital relationship? What brought you guys back together? And then how the Lord used you to be a responsible daughter to care for your mother. Wow. So um, like I said, June 22nd, we found out she had cancer and she needed to have more space. So I told her, I said, mom, we got to move back with Rodney. I said, because, you know, it's the house and you have your own bedroom still, big space, all your machines and stuff. And she gave me this look. So I packed up everything and I moved all my stuff back to the house and with, the, you know, setting up the room with the tensions of her moving back home. So by this time, it was August. We went to Arkansas for her birthday, August 10th. So by the time we, we was coming back to Arkansas, we was going to move all her stuff out. We got back from Arkansas August the 12th. And we started packing up her stuff. By August the 19th, she took a turn for the worse. And so I took her to the emergency room on the 19th and they admitted her. And they said, oh, we're going to let her go home Saturday. She'll be all right to go home Saturday, which was <laughs> the 31st. She went home. She wanted to be with the Lord on the 31st. She, um, But in that process, I knew the Lord was using me. And yeah. I was scared. He wanted me to walk her into Christ. And I couldn't do it because I was scared. And I guess I was in denial. And I lived with that for the first two years. But she did get her soul saved. You know, my, my ex-pastor came. And my ex-pastor, my friend, she came in and she sat with her for about 12 hours. Praying, reading, prayed over, walked through the salvation Amen. And everything. So she was able to turn her life over to the Lord Amen. before she left this earth. Amen. What a blessing. And now, how many years later? 27 years later, you're still with your husband, of course, working out the challenges, but you are still married, correct? Uh, yes, I am still no, married. married. And that is a blessing because we know in marriages, we all have challenges, but to say that you're still with your original husband, you know, you haven't been married yeah. two or three times. You're still setting no. a godly example for your children. You're setting a godly example for your grandchildren to let them know you can be married to one person and stay in it and go through trials and tribulations, but still honor that marriage covenant because no marriage is perfect. So here you are now children are grown you're still serving the lord and the lord has just brought you from such a mighty mighty long way it's just so beautiful because your testimony like you said it could have been your sister's testimony where he didn't spare your life but god spared your life bonda yes at such a time as this. And I tell you, when, just like I said in the first session, when I first set my eyes on you, immediately <laughs> I loved your spirit. You know, didn't know God anything be the about glory. you. 
because you were so real and you shared with me what all you had been through. I didn't ask you, you know, but you're so Mm -mm. bold. It's like, I remember I've been through this. You didn't even know that I worked as an administrator in the prison system, but you shared all that. And it was so beautiful. So right now I would like to end by you praying for people who are delivered from their drug addictions, but yet they don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Like you said, they're just doing church. Go ahead and close out in prayer. Oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you thanking you, Lord God, Jesus. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. Oh, God, thank you for using me as an example to others that went through, I went through, Lord God, Jesus. Let someone hear my testimony, Lord God, Jesus, and know that you are still king. You reign above everything, Father God. Father God, I ask you to touch their hearts, their minds, and their souls, Lord God, Jesus. Inside the prison systems, Lord God, Jesus. Inside the rehabs, Lord God, Jesus. And let them know that you are God. Above all, you are God. And to submit themselves unto you, Lord God, Jesus. And know that nobody else, Lord God, Jesus, have their head, their lives in their hands but you, Father God. And from a living witness, Lord God, Jesus, I know you can do it. I know you can do it, Lord God, Jesus, because you brought me from the bottom of the barrel, Lord God, and raised me above all. Thank you, God, Jesus. So, Father God, I ask you to touch their, Lord God, Jesus, touch their spirit, touch their souls, Lord God, Jesus, and let them know that you love them in spite of, in spite of, Father God. I thank you for changing their minds. I thank you for placing them where they need to be, Lord God, Jesus, for to hear it, Lord God, Jesus, for them to want to change. It's not about them, Lord God, Jesus. It's about you. And when they give it to you, it's done. So, Father God, we thank you for releasing it, Lord God, Jesus, that they be able to release it, Lord God, Jesus. Father God, Jesus, I thank you for that. What I went through, Lord God, Jesus, that I'll be able to help the next person. And I thank you for the open doors that you have led me through, Lord God, Jesus, that they are also open for them, Lord God, Jesus. I thank you in your precious name, Lord God, Jesus, that deliverance is theirs. If they want it, it's theirs to receive. And I know because I've done it. I was that 17-year-old crackhead. And now I'm a 53-year-old warrior for the Lord. And I thank you, God. Christ's name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.